الحمد لله حمدا كثيرا طيبا مباركا فيه كما يحب ربنا ويرضى أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله الناصح الأمين اللهم صل على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين ومن تمسك بسنته إلى يوم الدين ثم أما بعد الحمد لله على نعمة الإسلام والسنة All praise and thanks belong to Allah for guiding us to Islam and for guiding us to the Sunnah حدثني جماعة من الشيوخ بإسناد كل إلى سفيان بن عيينة عن عمرو بن دينار عن أبي قابوس مولا عبد الله بن عمر عن عبد الله بن عمر بن عاص رضي الله تعالى عنهما أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم قال الراحمون يرحمهم الرحمن يرحم من في الأرض يرحمكم من في السماء The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said in this tremendous hadith that those who are merciful, they will be shown mercy by the most merciful. Be merciful to those who are in the earth and the one who is above the heavens, he will show you mercy. This hadith is tremendous. As the ulama, they mention, ذَلِكَ بِأَنَّ الْعِلْمِ رَحْمَةً نَتِيجَتُهُ رَحْمَةً في الدنيا وغايته رحمة في الآخرة. The علماء they mention this is because knowledge is mercy. The result of knowledge is mercy in this world, and the ultimate goal of knowledge is mercy in the hereafter. الحمد لله حمدا حمدا. We continue going over the tremendous book by the Fadil Sheikh Al Imam Imam Al Nawi, رحمه الله تعالى. His famous 40 hadith. We have reached the 18th hadith. And this hadith, like every hadith in this book, is tremendously important. Each of these hadith, there are qawaid. There are qawaid. Principles. Principles of the religion. Principles of the deen. Principles that affect our daily life they reflect they yani, have an impact on our day to day it is incumbent that we reflect over them that we ponder over their meanings and that we implement them Naam, that we study them we ponder over the meanings so on and so forth so that we may properly understand them so that we may implement them so that we may live by them and this is what is important so as we go through these ahadith I don't want anyone, myself first and foremost, I don't want anyone to look upon it as just knowledge of a thing, FYI. But I want them to look at it from the standpoint on how these narrations affect their lives, how these narrations can be implemented inside of their life, their day-to-day life, and the day-to-day life of their families. This hadith 
that we will be looking at tonight is a hadith that is tremendous and Abi Dhar Jundub bin Junada it has been narrated on the authority of Abu Dhar Jundub bin Junada and also was narrated on the authority of Abi Abdurrahman Mu'av bin Jabal radiyallahu ta'ala anhuma an rasulillah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam qal ittaqullaha haythu ma kunt the prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam he said fear Allah wherever you are haythu ma kunt wherever you may be fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and follow up an evil deed with a good deed and the good deed it will wipe out the evil deed follow up a sin with an act of obedience act of righteousness because the good deeds they wipe out the bad deeds and interact with the people with good character. Treat people in a good way. Deal with people in a good way. Naam. This hadith has been collected by Imam At-Turmadhi. وَقَالَ حَدِيثْ حَسَنْ وَفِي بَعْضُ النُّسَخْ قَالَ Imam At-Turmadhi أو At-Tirmadhi as his name can be pronounced either way. Hadith Hassan Sahih. This hadith, bila shak wa bila raib, is a hadith that is authentic. It is authentic. One of his chains is Hassan, good, and the other chain is Sahih, authentic. So this is a hadith that is authentic. Naam. The Muhaddith, Muhaddith al Medina, the Muhaddith of Medina. Which is the Fadil to Shaykh Al Alama Shaykh Abdul Muhsan? Who? What's the rest of his name? Al Abad. Naam. Al Badr. Hidhullahu Ta'ala. It is important that we know who are the ulama and we know their level, we know their status, we know the level of knowledge that they have. So by way of that, we'll be able to determine very easily who are not the ulama. And as is known, the ulama, they are known by the ulama. Naam, the ulama, they are known by the ulama. But the likes of Shaykh Abdul Muhsin, this is an example of an alim. This is an example of an alim. Naam. And it's important I say that because that word has been, yani, is, is used too loosely in many circles. Naam. You have individuals that have programs, they go for a few years, and when they finish, they graduate, they, they have the label Alim. And when you compare this to that, the difference is greater than the East and the West. Now, an Alim is, is, is one who has truly reached that level and not just one who has gotten that label attached to them. The Alama, he mentions, he says, هذا الحديث اشتمل ب 
بجملهي الثلاث that this hadith encompasses with its three sentences three sentences نعم it encompasses in this hadith ما هو مطلوب من المسلم that which is required of a Muslim I want you to look that which is required from a Muslim لربيهي as relates to his Lord this is one ولنفسي and as relates to himself ولغيره and as relates to other than him so this hadith it outlines that which is required from a Muslim as relates to his Lord, his self, and other than him. Now, three short sentences. And no doubt this is from the examples of Jawami' al-Kalim. The short phrases that carry vast and extensive meanings. Now, the Prophet ﷺ, he was gifted with this ability to say very short phrases but the meanings were vast they encompass much Naam, they encompass much the first is as relates to a slave and his lord Naam, as relates to a slave and his lord and that is found in the statement of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam Fear Allah, have taqwa of Allah, wherever you may be. This is as relates to a Muslim and his Lord. Naam. As relates to a Muslim and his Lord. This is what require, is required of a Muslim as relates to his Lord. Naam. So we are required that we fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wherever we may be. And what is taqwa? What is taqwa? The Shaykh he mentions, he says, Aslu taqwa fil that the origin of taqwa in the language, the origin of taqwa in the language, and yaj'al baynahu wa bayna alladhi yakhafuhu wiqayatan taqihi minhu, that an individual, is this in a language, that an individual takes a barrier a barrier between himself and between that which he fears. That an individual, he takes a barrier, a shield or a protection between himself and that which he fears. And he uses that as what? As, as a shield for himself from that which he, which he fears. Naam. And the Shaykh, he brings an example of this. He says, Mithil, an example. Ittikhad al-ni'al. والخفاف للوقاية مما يكون في الأرض من ضرر is is an example of this is the adopting or the taking the utilization of sandals يعني you know خوف the خوف the leather socks نعم or in general that which covers the foot نعم because also يعني this is from a, a standpoint and the benefits from a fiqh perspective is that also whatever covers the foot, even if it is made from cotton or made from wool and the like, it falls under the general description of a khuf. How we benefit as relates to fiqh and knowing that is that we are 
able to wipe over it. We can make mesh on the leather sock or the sock that is made from wool or the sock that is made from cotton. Alakullin. The that which is worn on the foot, like a khuf or a shoe and the like, we wear them. What is one of the functionalities of wearing them? It's to protect our foot from that which will injure it from those things on the ground. So you, to protect your foot from sharp pebbles, sharp stones, from glass, debris, so on and so forth. So the shoe acts as a barrier to protect the foot from those things. Also, the Shaykh he mentions, he says, Also, the taking of houses and of tents and structures, shelters, to protect from the heat of the sun. And other than that, so this is a clear indication of what is taqwa in the language. That you take something and utilize it as a barrier or as a protection or as a shield from something else because you're scared that you will be hurt or you will be harmed. Now, that you'll be hurt, you'll be harmed. This is how, this is how it is inside of the, the language. And the Shaykh he mentioned, he says, what taqwa fi shara and taqwa in the legislation and yaj'al insanu baynahu wa bayna ghadabillah is that an individual puts between himself and the anger of Allah a barrier that will serve as a protection from for him from it. So a person will do those things that will not earn him Allah's anger. This is what it means, taqwa, is that we will do those things so as to not earn the anger of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I want you to reflect on that for a second, right? Because in Surah Al-Fatiha, those who the anger is upon them, those who the anger, it is upon them. Who are they? The Yahud, the Jews. Why? Why is the anger upon the Jews and the Christians are described as being astray? Why? Because the Jews had knowledge and they didn't act upon it. Why were the Christians described as being those who are astray? Because they didn't have knowledge and they just acted upon anything. Because they didn't have knowledge and they just acted upon anything. Naam, I sent them. Naam. So, if taqwa means that we take a barrier between ourselves and Allah's anger. How will we do that then? Based on who are those who are astray and who are those who the anger is upon. What do we have to do? Follow that which Allah has prescribed for us and stay away from that which Allah has prohibited. Now, in general, that's excellent. Follow that which Allah has prescribed for us and stay away from that which Allah has prohibited. But more specifically as relates to these two groups the and their characteristics. Now, the sunnah, what else? Now. Acting upon Knowledge in general, so we can say that we act upon knowledge. Naam, that we act upon and we act upon what we know. So therefore, there are two things that are required in that statement. Knowledge and, and action. Amen. Knowledge and action. Right? So in order to be not like the Jew, 
we need knowledge and action. So we have to have knowledge and we have to act upon that knowledge. And this will, if a person does that, then they will escape from the description of those whom Allah is angry with. Okay, how do we escape the description of those who are astray? Seek knowledge. Then we have to seek knowledge. We have to have knowledge that we know before we do. Because the Yahud, I mean, excuse me, because the, Jew, the Christians, the Christians, the Nasara, they act without knowing. They have no aim. They just do stuff. Right? They have no aim. They just do stuff. But this, this description of those who have no knowledge and they do things that are based upon ignorance is a description that every innovator holds. Because the innovator, when they act upon bid'ah, bid'ah is that which what? It has no proof. There's no proof for it. Bid'ah, the, 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 the characteristic of bid'ah is that it has no proof. There is no proof for it. There's no evidence for it. People are just doing things, making things up. That's why English is translated as innovation. You're inventing things. You're making things up. And then they take it as religion, as a religious act, and then they do it. Naam, this is bid'ah. This is no, no ilm. No ilm. And they're just doing stuff. That sounds like who? Those who are astray. But those who have knowledge, but they do not act in accordance to their knowledge, they fit the description of who? Those whom Allah's angers upon. So every scholar, every person who knows, who does not act upon their knowledge, they fit this description and are in danger of being from this category. So if we want to escape, and we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in every rakah, of every prayer, do not make us of those who are astray, do not make us of those who your anger is upon. So we're asking Allah in every rakah of every prayer to make us of those who have beneficial knowledge and those who act upon their knowledge. Those who have beneficial knowledge and those who act upon their knowledge. This is very important because if we do that, then that will be what? That will be a protection for us from Allah's anger. Naam? But, so the Shaykh, he says, it means that we take something as a protection from Allah's anger. And how was that done? is done by doing those things in which we are commanded to do. And staying away from those things in which we have been commanded to stay away from. Is that it? No. And that we have belief that we have belief true belief of that which we have been informed of so that means that what our actions have to be correct that is correct Naam. and you have many people and they're concerned about this Naam. they're concerned about the actions are correct Naam. and in particular those who are followers of the madhahib who follow the madhahib they will follow the fiqh of a shaykh, the fiqh of one of these imams, be it Imam Abu Hanifa, Imam Malik, Imam Shafi'i, or Imam Ahmed. 
They follow their fiqh. Because they're concerned to make sure that their mechanics is correct. Right? But also in that is that what we have to believe correctly. So we have to believe correctly as well. So it is amazing to me. Individuals who will follow these imams as relates to their fiqh. But not as relates to their aqidah. Because these imams, they were upon the kitab and the sunnah. That's it? No. Upon the understanding of the salaf of this ummah. Upon the way of the, of, of, of the sahaba. Naam. And they were human beings like other human beings. They make mistakes. Sometimes they was right. Sometimes they was wrong. Okay? Ala kulli hal, their methodology was ahlu sunnah. They were upon the sunnah. So how can an individual be upon tasawwuf? Or from the Asha'ira, or from the Maturidiyya, or from, or from, or from, or from, and then claim to be Shafi'i, Maliki, Hanbali, huh? uh, to the end, Hanafi, to the end. How are you Hanafi and you Ash'ali? Imam Abu Hanifa was not Ash'ali. No, he was upon Sunnah. How are you Shafi'i and you Sufi? When Imam Shafi'i said, whoever he accompanies the Sufi to the middle of the day, he will have lost his mind. It will take just that short period of time, drive a person crazy if you feed in and believe those khurafat, those superstitions and things in which those people are upon. This is what Imam al-Shafi'i said. So how you Shafi'i and Sufi? How is that possible? Huh? So, to have taqwa, what interest is to have a taqwa, our aqidah has to be right. We have to believe in Allah correctly. The way that the Prophet ﷺ taught us. We have to believe in Allah correctly. The way that Allah, Allah Ta'ala taught us inside the Quran. We have to believe right. It's not, it's, not, it's not acceptable to believe wrong. Because if we believe wrong, then we'll be ineligible of entering to those who truly have taqwa. Naam? So we want to have taqwa. So we have to make sure that we're doing what we're supposed to be doing. Staying away from what we're supposed to be staying away from. That we believe correctly. And we have to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in that which agrees with the legislation. We have to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala upon a legislative manner. The shaykh in saying this, naam, the shaykh in saying this, and the shaykh is going to explain, but it's as if the shaykh is saying by this and that itself that we have to be upon the sunnah. Bid'ah is not an option. Bid'ah is not an option. But we have to be upon the sunnah. It has to be in, in, in agreement with the legislation. It has to be in agreement with the Quran, the sunnah upon the way of the salam. That's it. That's the only thing. Right? So that statement within, within itself, it's pretty clear, right? It's pretty clear. But you still will have to be smart enough to, to understand what the shaykh is truly saying. Correct? Now, I want, you to, I want you to look at this. The Prophet ﷺ, when he called, his call was what? It was detailed. He didn't leave things in the air and leave you confused. He didn't say statements that you can take it like this or you can take it like that and, and tell you which one was intended. But he made it clear, this is, this is what, what was intended. Right? Likewise, this methodology we find it in the Quran is clear. It doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't leave us doubting. Right? But it points us in a very clear direction. Correct? Likewise, the ulama of Ahlul Sunnah, you find this their way. They don't just say things, leave it up in the air, leave you to figure it out. 
It's not from their characteristics. So the sheikh, after saying that statement, which we all agree, that's, that's pretty clear. It's pretty clear, but a person can see how maybe someone may not connect the dot. It's possible. A person may hear that. They may not connect the dot. So the sheikh, he says, and worshiping Allah upon that which agrees with the legislation. Then the sheikh, he follows that up and brings clarity. In case a person didn't get it, in case they did not connect that dot, the sheikh, he says, la bil bidr, not with innovation, wal muhnathat, and those newly invented matters. So he makes it extremely clear. A person can say, well, I don't understand what he said. Right? This is the way the people do sunnah. Why? Because they want good for the people. They want the people to be successful. They want the people to prosper, to be, yani, uh, yani, uh, to be successful when they meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. To meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and they're getting rewarded for their deeds. Not that, not, not, not that they meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and they are exhausted yani, to find that they don't get rewarded for their deeds. Why? Because it didn't meet the conditions yani, that make a, a deed eligible to be accepted. Because the conditions it has to be upon what it has to be upon tawheed in order to be eligible to be accepted, and it has to be upon the sunnah. The Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, the Prophet sallallahu alaihi Whoever does an action does not have on it our command; it's rejected. So if an action comes and it's not in compliance with the, the, the sunnah, then it's rejected. It doesn't count. This is why bid'ah is so is so dangerous. And this is why when we see our brothers doing things that there is no proof of evidence for, this is from bid'ah, we alert them because we're scared. We don't want them to, to waste their time, yeah, at the very least, and we don't want them to do something that will make Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala angry. Yeah. So we warn them, we caution them. The Shaykh says, And the fear of Allah having taqwa of Allah by doing the aforementioned things, and this is required all the time. All times. وَفِي جَمِيعِ الْأَمَاكِنِ And in all places, وَالْأَزْمِنَةِ In all times. Naam? So in every situation, any situation we're in, we have to have taqwa of Allah. Any place where we're at, we have to have taqwa of Allah. Any time frame, we have to have taqwa of Allah. Taqwa of Allah does not expire. person says, oh, well, this is the... You know, year 2020, this, 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 that, and that is different now, right? No, it's the same. It's the same. We still have to fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We still have to pray five times a day. We still have to believe correctly. We still have to pay zakah if our money has reached the minimum, so on and so forth. We still have to fast on Ramadan. None has changed. Women still have to cover. Men still have to grow their beards, so on and so forth. Nothing has changed. 2020 doesn't change anything. It'll be the same way in, until. Now, until. This is very important. So we have the fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, wherever we may be. Huh? We have to fear Allah openly and secretly. Now, the Shaykh mentioned it in the reverse order. Secretly and openly. Right? So whether we by ourselves and we're alone or we're with everyone else, we have to fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Check this out. Because we all, we, yeah, we want to say, you know, how many people they 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 say we're good, we're upon this, upon way of salaf. Listen, 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 listen to this statement. Imam Ibn Rajab, <coughs> he brings this statement inside of uh, his explanation for for this hadith, and he mentions he says, "Wa Abu Sulaiman, 
He said that Abu Sulaiman, he said, I want you to listen to this statement. Al-Khasir, the one who is a loser, now the one who misses out, who is a loser, Man nas salih al who shows the people their good actions, right? In other words, as we, as, we, as, as we say, they put their best face on for the people. So for the people, they show the people they're righteous, they're, they have taqwa, they lower their gaze, you know, it's an end of it, right? They pray really good, so on and so forth. Shaif. He says, وَبَارِزَ بِالْقَبِيحِ مَنْ هُوَ أَقْرَبُ إِلَيْهِ مِنْ حَبْلِ الْوَرِيدِ But they يعني, um, What's the word? But they exhibit and they display The most evil The most despicable The most heinous actions to the one who was closer to them than their juggler vein. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is closer to us than our juggler vein. When we're out in front of the people, the people put on their best face. But then when they're alone by themselves, what they believe and what they anticipate and what they think and what they perceive that they're by themselves, but in reality we know they're not really by themselves. You're never alone, right? Allah ta'ala, he sees you wherever you are. Any situation, Allah sees you, hears you, knows what you're doing, so on and so forth. Naam, play. And then not to mention, you got the angels, they're writing for you, so on and so forth, right? So a person's never truly by itself. Angels aside, because at the end of the affair, they do not judge us. They will not put us in Jannah. They will not put us in the fire. They will not save us from the fire. They will not put us in Jannah, so on and so forth. Naam, so angels aside. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is closer to us than our juggler vein. He knows. So when we're by ourselves, a person may feel comfortable to do the most evil of things in which he is ashamed to let others even know that that's what they do. But they find no shame as relates to doing this in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. One, 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 one of the imams of the past, his name escapes me right now, but he saw a, a man speaking to a woman. He saw a man standing in the street. He was speaking to a woman. So he responded. He, was, he gave them some advice. Very short words. He says, Verily, Allah sees you both. Allah sees you too. That's all he said to them. Allah sees you too. Now, so as to remind that this is a tremendous affair in which you have to avoid and you have to fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In every situation, in every time, in every place. Fear Allah wherever you may be. And then the Prophet ﷺ, he said, And follow up an evil deed with a good deed, and the good deed will erase the evil deed. That whenever a person does evil, because the reality is that what? We're all going to do evil. All of the children of Adam, they make sins, they make mistakes. And anyone who comes across as if they are holier than thou, 
They don't make mistakes. They don't make sins. They, I mean, they're so much better than everyone, and so on and so forth. This is a person who is delusional. We all make sins. We all make mistakes. And we all have to realize and acknowledge our error. We all have to realize and acknowledge that we make sins. We all have to ha be humble to know ourselves properly, right? Because only when a person knows themselves properly could they properly deal with themselves, okay? I'm going to give you an example. If, if, if we were dirty, if we were dirty, right? And if we acknowledge the fact that we were dirty, then this allots us the opportunity to what? To clean ourselves. Because we will understand we need to, we need to clean ourselves. Hands are dirty, I need to wash my hands, right? Clothes have become dirty, I need to wash the clothes, so on and so forth. But if a person was dirty and they did not acknowledge that they were dirty and they were in a state of delusion, they were delusional, they didn't believe they were dirty, this person who doesn't believe that they're dirty, what, what's going to happen? They're not going to wash because they don't deem that they are in need of washing. But the person who understands that he is dirty is a person that what? They will wash themselves. So when we understand the fact that, yes, we are sinners and that we are given to sin, so on and so forth, then this puts the servant on high alert to make repentance when they sin. To repent when they sin. This is very important. It's very important that we interact with ourselves like this. And it's very important that we interact with others like this. That if they make a mistake and they, and, and, and they fall down and they make a sin, we don't step on them. We do not stomp them into the ground. We do not make them feel even worse about themselves, what they are already feeling. And I'm, speak, I'm speaking about the time when a person acknowledges their error. Not when a person's delusional doesn't see their error and it has to be pointed out to them. I'm speaking about those times when a person acknowledges their error, feels bad about their error, has made toba, so on and so forth. We do not beat a person down by keep reminding them, you did, you did, you did, you did, you did. Because at the end of the affair, who are we? We do, we do, we do, we do. Correct? And so we have to help one another and pick one another up. So just like when we make a sin, we make a mistake, that's not the end of the world. You're still alive? It's not the end of the world. It's not the end of the affair. You have time. Make toba. Rectify what needs to be rectified. If you took someone's hock, return the hock to the one you're taking that hock, so on and so forth. Rectify your situation. Don't leave it like that. But you have time to make to, to, to make amends. Bithnilahi ta'ala. Now, <clears throat> and just as a reminder, this doesn't mean that just because a person makes toba from something that there are no repercussions. Still going to be repercussions. Now, reflect on the fact that our father and our mother, they sinned and they made toba and their toba was accepted. But what happened? They still were sent down to earth. Okay, so I want you to, 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 keep, to keep that in mind and to not use what was aforementioned to be lackadaisical and say, well, I just make tokens over anyway. Yes, the sin may be over, but you, if you had done something that was extremely dangerous and reckless, you still may have to live the rest of your life bearing the ill and devastating repercussions of that indiscretion. For example, if a person has illegal sexual intercourse with, it, with, with another person, they can make toba for having illegal sexual intercourse. But if they catch AIDS, or they catch an incurable disease, herpes or something, 
For the rest of your life, you have herpes, you have AIDS. You may toba, yes, but now you're HIV positive. And that's not going to go away. So sometimes there are lasting repercussions. There are. There are lasting repercussions. A person tries experimenting with a drug. You take that drug, you experiment. You make toba, but now perhaps you're addicted. Now, the people who have gotten addicted to crack, how many times did it take them to smoke crack that, 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 that it took for them to get addicted? How many times? Once. One time. One time. And so we, we have to be on our guard and we have to yani, be fearful of falling into sin. If we fall into a sin, then we have to follow up with, 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 with repentance. We have to follow up with a, with a good deed. And the Shaykh he mentioned, he says, Tawbah, Hasana. Repentance is a good deed. So if we do a sin, repent. Repentance is a good deed. Naam. Because repentance, here to Jubbuma, Qabalaha, Min al Kabair. Because repentance, it will erase that which came before it from the major sins, and from the minor sins. So repentance destroys all sins. Whether it's minor or major, it will destroy the sin. Repentance. Repentance destroys all sins, whether it's minor or major. So in a general statement, yani, that follow up a bad deed with a good deed, it'll wipe it out. Tova wipe out small and big sins. Tova wipes out small sins and big sins. Naam. As far as the other deeds, as far as the other deeds, also do good deeds. Why? Because good deeds in general, we're not talking about Tawbah. Good deeds outside of Tawbah, they wipe out sins. All sins? No. Only minor sins. Naam. So from Salat to Salat, Jumu'ah to Jumu'ah, Umrah to Umrah, so on and so forth, they wipe out small sins. Not major sins. Small sins. As far as major sins, what Ammar Kabair, Shaykh, he mentions, he says, فَلَا يَمْحُهَا إِلَّا التَّوْبَةِ مِنْهَا They are not erased except from repentance. Major sins require repentance to get off of you. Naam. Major sins require repentance to be removed. And this is, this, and this is the case, yani, in general. Allah Ta'ala, he says, That verily, righteous good deeds, they wipe out bad deeds. Righteous good deeds wipe out bad deeds. Naam. So if it is Tawbah, Tawbah will wipe out big and minor sins. Other good deeds, they'll wipe out minor sins. Naam. They'll wipe out minor sins. But, and then, the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he said, hasan," And interact with the people with good character, interact with the people while using good character. Having good character is something that is tremendously important. Having good character, good manners, good etiquette. This is very important for the Muslim. The Muslims, our nation, we are a nation of people with manners. It's very important. A nation of people who are well-mannered, have good manners. They interact with the people in a good way. Speak to the people in a manner that they want to be spoken to. 
interact with the people in a way that they want to be interacted with. The Shaykh mentions, he says, فَإِنَّهُ مَطْلُوبٌ مِنَ الْإِنسَانِ أَنْ النَّاسَ جَمِيعًا مُعَامَلَةً حَسَنًا That they interact with people, all of them, يعني مُعَامِلَةٌ حَسَنَةٌ With good interaction. Now, with good interaction. The first sentence, fear Allah, whatever you may be, that is as relates to the slave and his Lord. The second sentence, and follow up a bad deed with a good deed and wipe it out, that relates to who? The slave and who? Himself. Now, the slave and himself. And the last, وَخَالِقِ nas بِخُلُقٍ hasan and interact with the people in a good way as, as relates to the slave and who? Other than him. Other than him. So we have to interact with the people in a way in which we would like for them to interact with us. We have to interact with everybody in a good way. So we have to interact with them in a manner in which we want them to interact with us. We have to treat them as we ourselves would want to be treated. With Dalil, the Qawli, he sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, la yu'minu ahadukum hatta yuhibba li akhihi ma yuhibbu li nafsi. That none of you truly believes until he loves for his brother when he loves for himself. Wa Qawluhu sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, faman ahabba an yuzahzaha aninar wa yudakhala jannah فَلْيَأْتِيهِ مَنِيَّتُهُ وَهُوَ يُؤْمِنُ بِاللَّهِ وَالْيَوْمِ الْآخِرِ Whoever wants to, whoever loves that they will escape the fire and that they will enter into the Jannah, then let death come to him while he, they are believing in Allah. Let death come to them while they are believing in Allah in the last day. Naam. Belief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Naam. And believing in the last day. What is the benefit of mentioning the last day here? Who knows? Day of judgment. The day of judgment. But what is the benefit that reminds us? What do we need to do? If we get reminded of, 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 of the last day, this reminds us that what? Death is coming. Death is coming. And that we, we have to do what? We have to strive and prepare. So this is a reminder of action. Death is coming, so you have to do righteous good deeds. Death is coming, so you want to, you want to stay away from sin. So being reminded of the last day means that a person, they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. They're doing yani, what they're commanded to do and they're staying away from that which they have been prohibited yani, uh, from doing. Naam. So whenever you find these two come together, belief in Allah and the last day, this is why the last day is, is, is being mentioned. So as to remind us that we have to prepare for it and we prepare for it by doing righteousness and by staying away from sin, by making tawbah when we fall into sin. Naam. So whoever, whoever yani, wants to escape the fire and enter into Jannah, then death has to come to them while they are believing in Allah yani, in the last day. Knowledge and action. You see it again? Knowledge and action. Naam. Um, and he has to treat the people in a manner that they themselves want to be treated. He has to treat people in a manner that they themselves want to be treated. وقد وصف وقد وصف الله نبيه صلى الله عليه وسلم بأنه على خلق عظيم. And Allah subhanahu wa taala, He described His messenger, 
sallallahu alayhi wasallam that he was upon outstanding character the prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam he was upon outstanding character every muslim the prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam he is our role model first and foremost he is our role model naam first and foremost the prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam is our role model because everyone else who we take as role models i mean the real role models not the losers and the creeps who people follow yani falsely but i'm talking about the real role models the real role models are only role models because they're striving to be like the prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam so the prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam he is our ultimate role model and the sahaba then there are role models because they strove to be like the prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam for the sisters they yani they will say sahabiyat in particular the yani uh, the mothers of the believers they are their role models naam because they were striving to embody the teachings of Islam right this is why they are role models for us because they strove to do right and to be righteous the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam he was upon outstanding character wajad an aisha radiyallahu ta'ala anha anna khuluqahu sallallahu alaihi wasallam alquran and as it has come on our mother Aisha radiyallahu ta'ala anha wa ardaha that the character of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam it was the quran as it, as it has come yani in a hadith been collected by muslim that khuluquhu alquran his character was the quran because the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam he lived by what he knew he implemented what he knew naam so implementing what we know then this is from the way of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam so we have to do it. we have to imitate the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam naam he is the best example for us the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam he was upon good character in every which way shape and form and that reality does not change naam despite who may speak ill of him despite who may verbally yani attack him so on and so forth their attacks only hurt themselves it only hurts themselves does not hurt the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam because the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam he had good character he had the best character naam he had the best character sallallahu alaihi wasallam his level cannot be touched nor even gotten near nor even gotten near naam this is the reality of the situation and for those who are striving to be upon his sunnah then we have to adorn ourselves with the likes of this as well and we know what is good character by way of the quran and by way of the sunnah by way of the way of the salaf not by way of the whims of the people not by the yani whims and desires of a generation right and the like because you find especially amongst the the non-muslims their mores was culturally acceptable and unacceptable so on and so forth this changes it changes if you look at what they say is culturally acceptable and um what's the word I'm looking for politically correct right right now in 2020 was it that same way in 1920 no what about 1820 was it the same way no 1720 no 1620 no different right it's different if you even don't even go in 100 year time frames now if you look at the baby boomers to generation x there are things that were acceptable in generation x that was not acceptable in with their parents and and their and their baby boomers the generation before them wasn't acceptable right 
those like myself from Generation X, there were things that were acceptable in that generation that was not acceptable with the millennials. Right? Millennials, they look at Generation Z, things that they do, yeah, they, it's not acceptable. So on and so forth. Things keep changing from generation to generation. Right? So, this can't be the frame of reference at all. Because it's acceptable now means it's okay? No. Not okay. That's not how we determine what's okay, whether or not it's, it's culturally accepted or not. We understand what is okay based upon the book in the Sunnah. If the book in the Sunnah says it's okay, it's okay. Even if your culture says it's not, it's okay. Because Allah said it's okay. Period. We need not say anything else. It's okay because the Prophet said it's okay. Period. We need not explain no, further, no more further explanation. Allah said it's okay. The Prophet said it's okay. Hey, it's okay. Say. Now, and if it's not okay, it's not okay. Even if culturally they're saying it's okay. If it's not okay, it's not okay. If it's haram, it's haram. That's it. it we can't put that to vote. We can't yani, put that up for discussion. No, it's haram. Haram, that's it. It's not going to be halal because everyone says halal. No, it's still haram. You're just a bunch of people who are misinformed. They think it's okay and it's not. Reality is not. So we have to understand that as well. And as the, I mean, the, the Muslims, we have to hold on to our values. And we can't be scared to let that be known, to let that be seen, to let that, and to show that. Right? So for the Muslim man, alhamdulillah, I'm going to say the man, alhamdulillah, we dress modestly, we dress in a way that is according to I mean, the legislation, and that's it. That's how we dress. We don't dress immodestly, even though they may say, maybe you should, maybe like, no, no, we don't dress like that. Muslim women, Maybe a clearer example, they dress in a way that is mandated by the deen. They, they don't come in the kufa and say, no, take that off, loosen it, you can show this, you can show that, you can put this higher, this could be tighter, right? No. The hijab is clear inside of the legislation. No company, sports company or otherwise, would come down and alter that and say, yeah, I'm going to give you this, because we, we call it hijab, so now it's hijab. There's no hijab that's, that, that's, that's, that's skin tight. That's not hijab. It's not hijab. It's skin tight. How's that hijab? Hijab has characteristics. And we have to know what are those characteristics. And from those characteristics, it has to be something that does not describe that which is under it. Either because it's too tight or because it's see-through. It has to hide and conceal what is under it. To the best of what cloth could hide and conceal that which is under it. Naam, and that which appears even after the yani is is been covered correctly, then they are forgiven for that. Naam, they are forgiven for that. But it at the end of the day, it is what it is. And no and no sneaker company is gonna tell us what hijab is. Naam, they can make a lot of commercials and whatever, marketing, it doesn't change anything. And it's important that we know that. And that we're not scared to show that, that we are who we are, based upon the kitab and the sunnah, and we're not gonna alter who we are. Because we want to fit in with people who are not upon that. No. No. If anything, the Muslims should strive to have izzah. The reality of it is, is that anyone who knows anything about the equation, if a person, one person has the guidance of, yani from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the other person does not have the guidance from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, who should want to imitate who? Hmm? If one person has guidance from Allah, the other person does not have guidance from Allah. Who should want to imitate who? The misguided should 
imitate the misguided should imitate the guided. Exactly. We all say Islam is the haq, our deen is true, so on and so forth. Right? Focus, I mean, check this out. Check this out. You have Muslims now who are imitating people who on the day of judgment, they're not going to want anything to do with. Just reflect on that. You want to be with, you, yeah, I mean, some people you want, yeah, you, say, you say to them, you want to be with them in dunya, but you're not going to want to be with them in akhirah. And if you're not going to be with them in akhirah, why are you trying to act like them in dunya? You understand? Because what's going to get them in trouble on the day of judgment is because of what they did here in the dunya. It wasn't that they was good, but then when they was in their grave, they was really, really bad. So now when they come out, they're going to go to hell. No, it's because when they was alive. So if we don't want to be with them on the day of judgment, then why do we want to imitate them in this world? It doesn't make any sense. Right? And it's important, especially for the younger Muslims, to know it's important. But it's not just the younger Muslims. It's, it's the older Muslims, too. There's a, you know, we have a saying... Here in America, it says nothing like an old fool. I just let you marinate, reflect on that. So the Shaykh, he mentions that the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, his character, it was the Qur'an. And this is what we should strive to want to be like the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam in how we walk, how we talk, how we interact with people, yeah, showing patience, showing yeah, any, uh, forbearance, so on and so forth. And, and, and I give you an example, because this doesn't just apply to how we treat each other, but also applies to how we treat the Kuffar. But I give you an example, how we treat the Kuffar, even when the Kuffar not being nice to us. When those, when those, when those Jews... And when they when they spoke ill to the Prophet and, 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 and said to him, Sama alaikum, may the may death be upon you and so on and so forth. The Prophet said, he just said, Wa alaikum. And you too. Said. He didn't go beyond that. Even when he was being verbally abused, he didn't go beyond that. He didn't verbally abuse him. But in fact, he censored our mother, radiallahu ta'ala anha, for going beyond that, for telling them off. He censored. He censored her. Right? This is an example of even how to interact with the ignorant ones. When the ignorant ones, they attack us, we just say salam, man. We say a word that is free from anything that will bring about bad or bad repercussions. This is very important. It's very important. And if we interact with people in a good way when they're not being good to us, then of course... During regular times, we have to interact with people in a good way, whether they are Muslims or they are not. We have to interact with everyone in a good manner, in a good way. What is meant by his character was, was the Qur'an. Because the Prophet said he's to implement that which was in the Qur'an. And there comes many a hadith inside of the sunnah that points to the superiority of having good character. And that encourage us to have good, to adorn ourselves with good character. 
and that which warned us from having bad character. From having bad character. So that which we benefit from this hadith, the Shaykh, he highlights, the Shaykh, he mentions, he highlights five things. The first of those is the completion, yani the, yani the perfect advice in which the Prophet ﷺ, he would give to his ummah. The Prophet ﷺ, he, he, he advised the ummah at every opportunity, he advised the ummah. And from the, the, yani, uh, the advice in which the Prophet ﷺ, he gave to the ummah was this hadith here where he mentioned these three outstanding pieces of advice. These three outstanding comprehensive pieces of advice. Secondly, that the command to have taqwa of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in every situation, in every place, in every time. We have to have fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We just don't fear Allah in Ramadan, but then the rest of the year we don't fear Allah. We just don't fear Allah in the lands of the Muslims, but then in the lands of the Kufar, we don't fear Allah. No, we fear Allah wherever we may, may, may be. Now, we fear Allah wherever we may be. Thirdly, is the encouragement of following up sins with good deeds. It's very important. Those individuals, and we, we understand that some people, they are trialed and tested with certain sins. You are not destroyed, it is not over. There's time for you to make tawbah. Make tawbah, increase in righteous good deeds. Follow up sins with good deeds. You said some bad things, then make sure you have upon your tongue um, dhikr, tasbih. Naam, say subhanallah, alhamdulillah, la ilaha illallah, Allahu akbar. Keep this on your tongue. Keep this on your tongue, because these good deeds will wipe out those minor deeds that came by way of your tongue. A person they did bad, fast voluntary fast. Pray voluntary prayers. Make sure you're praying your obligatory prayers. Give sadaqah, make dhikr, so on and so forth. Help someone. Be righteous to your parents. Make a Muslim happy. Because making believers happy, then this is this is a good deed. Right? So if you know if a brother they like coffee, for example, and you get coffee, get them coffee. Because you know it's gonna make them happy. Right? You go to the store, you get something to drink, get them something to drink. You know, I'm going to the masjid right now. Let me get some, some extra things to drink. To anyone I meet inside the masjid, I'm going to give them some juice, give them any, you know, coffee, tea, whatever the case is. Strive to make Muslims happy. Someone needs help, help them. They need help loading their car. They need help, yeah, I need whatever they need help with. Try to help them to the best of your ability if you could. Now, these are all righteous good deeds. The point is, is that if, if we have, yeah, I need, if we're trying to, get our lives on the right track because we were doing a bunch of sin and now we want to you know, become right. This is from the ways in which we focus in and we get ourselves on track and that is trying to increase in doing righteousness, increase in doing good, right? Coming to the masjid and, and, and saying, okay, I'm going to vacuum the floor, I'm going to clean the bathroom, I'm going to mop, I, I, you know, just looking for any excuse to do something good, any excuse to do something good. Yeah, I mean, all of us should be like this. Looking for any excuse to do good. But especially those who have fallen into sin, do good because that good will wipe out those sins. That good will wipe out those sins. Wipe out those sins meaning that when you come to your muqiyama, it's not in your record. It's not in your record. It's been wiped out. It's been removed. It's been erased. Okay? It's very important. Fourthly, is the, yeah, the connected to the third, and that is the the, I mean, the knowledge that good deeds erase 
bad deeds. Good deeds erase bad deeds. And then fifthly is an encouragement to interact with the people with the best of character. To interact with the people with the best of character. So become in the habit of smiling in the faces of your brothers. Right? It's a good deed. Smiling. You know, don't always grimace and, you know, think it's from righteousness. You have to look like a robot and just stiff, no emotion. No smile in the face of your brothers. This is a good deed. Naam. Uh, and the like. And then the Shaykh, he, he moves on to the next hadith. Hadith, tremendous. All these hadith are tremendous. But inshallah ta'ala, we will save that until the next time. Fa-naktafi. We have al-qadr. ala nabiyyina Muhammad. وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين وجزاكم الله خيرا